I'm so excited that you're here as we are in the middle of this three-week series, talk, conversation, whatever you want to call it, called What Seems Impossible. And I love this because we are actually taking a look at the life of a guy by the name of Nehemiah and what he did as he was a Jewish man and how he actually saw something that seemed impossible and he said, I can't sit idly by anymore, I have to do something about it. I'm going to recap in a second, but I just wanted to kind of remind everybody where we were as we launch into week two of what seems impossible. And before I kind of launch into this message, um, I just want you to know something is that this is going to be a really powerful morning. In fact, dare I say, this is going to be one of the most powerful mornings we've ever had around downtown Harbor Church because this message is a variation of a message that many of us who started downtown Harbor Church heard a couple of years ago. I'm going to talk you through that story. And when we heard this message, it not only confirmed for us in our hearts where we, that we were on the right path in doing what we needed to do, but it changed some of our individual lives right where we were at. And so this message actually today centers around two questions. I'm going to put them up in the beginning of the message, and then I'm actually going to reference them throughout our journey here this morning. And here are the questions, very simply. Put these in your mind. First one is this. Who are you? It's the idea that what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at our own lives today, and we're going to take an inventory, if you will. We're going to take stock of where we are, and we're going to answer this in our own minds. Maybe we won't have a definitive answer or an answer that comes out with one or two sentences, but we're going to think about this today. Who are you? That's the first question. The second question is this. What breaks your heart? Put those two questions in your mind, and we're going to talk about them throughout our message here this morning, so just stay with me. Because it's, as we titled this series, What Seems Impossible, what we've been doing is we've been looking at things in our life, in our community, things that look like they might be impossible, and then looking at the life of a guy by the name of Nehemiah and looking at what he did, and he was a guy who actually made the impossible possible. How could we look at that and reconcile that together? So what we did last week as we came together is we actually kind of got in this room and we kind of had, had an inventory of our own community, right? And we took a look around and we said, what are some of those issues plaguing South Florida right here, right where we're at? And we looked at the idea of homelessness and substance abuse and financial responsibility. Just a side note, the number of people who are in a relationship, a romantic relationship in this room last week who were elbowed when I brought up financial responsibility was exponential, by the way, just so everybody's aware of that, okay? But we took a look at our community and we said, what is plaguing us right here, right now, and how how can we take a look at the life of Nehemiah and then implement that right where we're at? And people are doing that all over our community. It's inspiring to watch. And we just said, listen, if we're, if we're going to actually dive in, we're responsible for something. We're responsible to get close. We're responsible to see the problems that are right in front of our face. In fact, if we look at the book of Nehemiah, some of this is review, some of this is new for you. But Nehemiah, right, is in the Old Testament of the ancient scripture, the Bible. And Nehemiah was a man who saw an issue in his city and went to go take it on, head on. Here's what it says, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
So here was the problem in Nehemiah's own community. And if you missed last week, you might want to catch up because there's a lot more detail um, in last week's message about this than, than I might go into today. But here was the problem. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who worked for a king, right? And he saw his own community, Jerusalem, ancient Israel. And what happened was Nehemiah looked at it and he goes, there's a problem. And here's the problem. Jerusalem was broken. It was Almost, it was vulnerable. It was this place where the wall that had protected the city had been broken down. And Jerusalem itself was broken. And Nehemiah, right, knew that he had to do something about it. So he was going to. Nehemiah was going to do something about it. So he saw his community. He saw a need. He saw something that was missing. And then he said, I'm going to go and fix that and do something about it. In fact, the scripture goes on in Nehemiah 1.4. It said, when he heard these things, he sat down and wept. Don't miss, this is so key for today, right? I sat down and wept. This broke his heart. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This one thing that he saw in front of him, which just happened to be at the center of his community, broke his heart. And this man looked at it from a distance and said, I don't know how to fix the problem. I don't even know what we can do. I don't know how we get together and do this, but I got to do something, right? And Nehemiah went out and started that journey. But let's just stop for a second. Let's talk about today. Because I told you last week we were going to talk about your community, and today we were going to talk about who? You. And I'm going to talk a lot about you today. I'm going to talk a lot about me today. Because see, Issues in our community might be one thing that we can address. Nehemiah's need was local, and we should address local needs. But what about you? What does your life look like with that one thing? Maybe it's more than one thing that you just look inside and you go, I've been thinking about this for a long time. This is breaking my heart. This is tearing me apart. i got to figure out how to do something about it. Because in this situation... If I were Nehemiah, right, I just kind of put myself in his shoes. If I were him, he was probably experiencing some of these things. Maybe you can relate to this. If you had seen something in your community or specifically in your own life that you knew that you needed to do something about. If I were Nehemiah or maybe you were Nehemiah, maybe you could relate to these things, right? I wouldn't be sleeping very well. <laughs> I'd, I'd kind of be laying awake at night, staring at the ceiling, going, I, I wake up thinking about this thing. I wake up with this thing on my heart over and over again. I wake up in the morning and think about it. I'm waking up at 2 a.m. and thinking about it. I'm having trouble falling asleep, and I'm thinking about it. I'm probably not sleeping very well because this is on my mind. This is on my heart. If I were Nehemiah, I'd probably be praying about this. I'd probably be going, God, this thing is on my heart and it won't leave. This thing has been impressed in my life and it won't leave. What am I to do? What am I to do as I respond to this? Why won't this leave me? I might even say, God, take this away from me. I know that this is on my mind and heart, but I don't want to do anything about it. I know Nehemiah was praying because it said it in the scripture. Chapter 1, verse 11, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayers of your servants who delight in revering in your name, right? Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And Nehemiah's praying to God. He's going, help me out here, Lord. So he probably wasn't sleeping. He was probably praying about it. And then, if you're like my mind, right, you just can't stop thinking about it. 
every single day you're thinking about it and it's going through your mind and then you're praying like this probably god give me a sign right anybody ever prayed like that should i do something about this give me a sign all of a sudden you pass something on the side of the road and it's the thing you were looking for and you're like he didn't mean that right and you're looking at the next one and then all of a sudden something's on tv and you go, he didn't mean that or whatever the case is for you right? i don't know what that looks like but you probably do you probably just can't stop thinking about it if you're like me and something's on your heart that you know you need to do something about, maybe like Nehemiah, if I were him, I'd ask some key friends what they thought about this. You've probably done this. If something is on your heart that you know something you need to do, some, something is on your heart that you know you need to act on. You might gather some key people who might be trusted, who might be really close in your life, people who would have your best interest at heart and go, hey, what do you think about this? Let me bounce this off you. Right? And I, 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 even if you knew you would have to do something, right? I knew I would have to do something, but I would struggle to pull the trigger. That's probably a lot of the things that Nehemiah experienced. That's probably a lot of the things that if you were to look inside yourself, that you might experience. But put that aside for just a second. Because I told you last week we were going to talk about your community, and then this week we were going to talk about you. So I just, I, I brought a picture of you, which, I, let me just put it up for a second. Okay, so this is you, okay? You look great, by the way. I don't know that you've ever looked better than you do in this picture, okay? There, you look fantastic, okay? The truth is, right, if we just look about this and joke a little bit, but we look introspectively, don't miss this. We look introspectively in our own life. We have to look at our life and where we've been and where we've come and where we're going. And we just have to acknowledge a couple of things. Here's a couple of the things that we have to acknowledge. Is that you have a unique history. Did you, did you understand this? Is that wherever you were raised, in whatever town you were raised in, by whatever parents you were raised by, in whatever circumstances you were raised, you have a unique history. And do you know who that history is only unique to? You. And somewhere along the way, we have to take into consideration where we've been that has led us to where we're going to understand what God wants to do with our life. You have a unique history. Furthermore, you've experienced something, however old you are in this room, whether you're a teenager or you're a senior adult, it doesn't matter. Here's the truth. You have a life experience. You have experience in life that God could be using to help you address whatever that thing is on your heart that you will never go away until you know that you need to do something about it. You have a life experience. Nehemiah had a life experience. I love this. Where he uses this phrase, and you know what, in the scripture, don't put it up yet, because I just feel like it's so powerful when you look at what he actually writes, and then you're like, man, was he down on himself? Was he pumping himself up? I don't know, but it was his life experience. Here's what he said. He said, Nehemiah 1.4, I was cupbearer to the king. I was cupbearer to the king, and I talked about that last week, that it was not a very glamorous job that, in fact, you would just taste the king's drink before he tasted it to make sure that it wasn't poisoned so he wouldn't die. So your life was kind, of, was kind of expendable. But I looked at Nehemiah's history, and I looked at his life experience, and I thought, this is unique to him. Somewhere along the way, God was using his experience in that role to prep him for the future. And then furthermore, in your life, do you want to know what every single one of us in this room is not exempt from? And not excluded from that is in our history that we could use 
to move our lives into the future to do something about something that we know we need to do something about. You have tragedy and trial. I tell you, I've been in ministry now almost 20 years. And the one thing that is consistent is I get to sit across the table from a lot of people. And I've sat across the table from a lot of people and a lot of families who've been dealing with tragedy. Nobody's exempt. And then I deal with people who experience redemption. And anybody can experience redemption. The truth is, is that everybody's on a journey. And as we take that journey in our unique history, life experience, tragedy and triumph, here's what happens. Is that it's all woven into one unique creation, right? One unique creation that represents who? That represents you. We've said this around here at Downtown Harbor Church a couple of times, and I just think it's so important. Based on your history, based on your experience, based on your tragedy and triumph, you are strategically positioned in your life to do something. And we've said this, only you can do what you can do, right? Only you can do what you can do. There's nobody else. Who are you? And what breaks your heart? Have we ever looked at our past and our upbringing and our experiences and our tragedy and our triumph and have this thought, because this is so key, right? This is so, put this in your mind. If you're a note taker, you're taking pictures or whatever you do, do this because this is so key, right? Don't miss this. This is so amazing, right? If you ever thought that God let, your let, let you experience your past only to prepare you for your future. Because a lot of us, you know what? A lot of us are down on our past. And a lot of us go based on things that I experienced or where I came from or things that I actually did. I'm down. I'm down and I'm out and God can't use me even though I might have this broken heart for something. Have you ever thought that God let you experience your past only to prepare you for your future? Whether that past, don't miss this, whether that past is good or bad. What's good or bad? Where do you land in that category? It doesn't matter as long as you take it and you apply it to what is next. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28 has a powerful verse that we've used at Downtown Harbor Church before. And you've probably even heard it. If you have any experience with church or any affiliation with church. But it's so key, right? It's so true. We just kind of slough this off. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. Here's what this verse means. That based on your unique history, based on your life experience, based on tragedy and triumph, that God in some way that we could probably not understand or imagine is weaving it all together for the glory of him and his kingdom. Here's the question. Because we hear this verse and we kind of slough it off. Yeah, that's just something that they say because they know I've gone through a difficult time. But what if this were actually true? What if this were actually true? What if this was so practical and so real that we could look at every situation, our history, our life experience, our tragedy and triumph, and then go, God is using it. Somewhere along the way, he's putting it into practice in each one of our lives. And so we go back to the question. Those two questions that I asked as we started. Who are you? 
Uh, let, me, let me just tell you who you are again, because I think that the scripture lends to this. It's so key before I even put the next one up, right? Who are you? Psalm 139.4, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. God has woven you, based on your history and your experience, into a unique creation set up to do something in your life. Who are you? When is the last time you've answered that question? When is the last time you've sat down and taken an inventory of yourself and said, who are you? Who am I? Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you don't. I don't know what that looks like for you. Who are you? And then based on all of that, there's another question to answer. And the question is this. What breaks your What is something that you've been thinking about for a long, long time and you know that you're supposed to do something about it? Maybe it's big, maybe it's small. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. We'll talk about that in a second. But what breaks your heart? What keeps you up at night that you are like, my goodness, I have to do something about this. I know that I'm supposed to do something about this. God's inspired me to do something about this. And I've said no over and over and over again. Imagine if Nehemiah had said no. Imagine if Nehemiah had just said, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to take a risk. I'm not going to go do that. What would history have been like? What breaks your heart? So I want to ask a couple of other questions unrelated to those two first questions that I put up. Who are you and what breaks your heart? Think about this for a second. Is it possible? Is it possible your broken heart is by divine design? What if God, in some way that is bigger than we could ever understand or imagine, actually has strategically positioned you to have this broken heart for something that he wants you to go do. What if actually God led you here and this broken heart that you have is absolutely by divine design? What is that for you? Here's another question. And this is a big one. A powerful one. Strap in. They got seat belts in these airplanes. Okay, here's what I'm saying. Right? What hangs in the balance? If you don't act, what hangs in the balance if you don't act? What happens if you don't do this? What happens if you know that you're supposed to do something and you don't? What, don't, this is so key, everybody look up here, stop, stop doing whatever you're doing, look up here. What hangs in the balance if you don't act? Let's change that out. Who hangs in the balance if you don't act? And then all of a sudden everything becomes a little clearer, doesn't it? And here's the third question related to who are you and what breaks your heart. Many years from now, what would people line up and thank you for? Have you thought about that? Think about what the end of your life, think about when it's almost over for you, because the truth is, happy day, it's going to be over for any of us. You know, I was sitting next to my buddy at dinner the other night, we were having a conversation, and the conversation just led into, how many years do you think you're going to live? 75, 80, 85? He goes, there's no way I'm making 85. I said, congratulations, right? But here's the, here's the truth, everybody's going to, we're all on our way out, right? What, at the end of your life, would people line up and thank you for? Who are you? Who are you? And what breaks your heart?
What is one of those things, or maybe it's the thing, just like it was for Nehemiah, that you actually stay awake at night and think about? What is one of those things that has been on your heart for a long, long time that you actually know that you're supposed to do something about and you haven't? Or maybe you've even tried and you failed and it, the, the desire, quote unquote, went away, but it's still there. And you know that you need to do something about it. Now, I'm going to put up the word kind of much earlier than I normally would in a message. Normally, it's right at the end. I got probably about 10 minutes to go here, but I'm going to put the word on the screen. Here it is. What's the practical? Okay. So I want to just land on this for a second because it's so key. Okay. What's the practical? The practical for this week's message is this, and it's very simple, but here it is. Move on your broken heart. Have you written it down? Have you written down what your broken heart is and maybe you need to do something about it? Move on your broken heart. Here's the deal. Remember I talked about earlier how your broken heart right where you are could be something small, could be something big, could be something really large. Don't miss this. This is key. Maybe you're supposed to do something that's bigger than yourself and rally people, people alongside of you. Maybe you're supposed to start an organization. Maybe for a long time you've seen something in the world and you're like, this is not acceptable. I've read the words of Jesus. I know what this world is supposed to be like, specifically as a follower of his. I know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe it's time for you to actually take that step of faith and start an organization. Maybe it's just time. Move on your broken heart. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it's not that big. And that's okay. Maybe for you, it's just a conversation or a phone call. Have a conversation. Don't. Maybe you haven't talked to your parents in a long time, and you're estranged. I hate that word. You know why I hate that word? Because it means that people have the ability to do something about it here and now, and they're choosing not to, regardless of the pain. That's why I don't like that word. Because we all have a choice to do something different. Maybe that's your broken heart. Maybe you need to pick up the phone and have a conversation, even if the other person on the other end isn't receptive. Maybe it's time to do that. I don't know what God's doing through your heart and through your life, but you do. Oh, you do. And I'll tell you something, just a side note, it's not going away. You can make it want to go away. You can try to make it go. It ain't leaving. Maybe it's just small incremental changes over the course of time where you're going, I know I got to deal with something in my life. I know that it's not going to get better over the course of time, but I need to deal with this. I don't know what that looks like for you. I knew what it looked like for me. You've got to address your broken heart. It will continue to break your heart in, until you address it. There's a divine reason that it's broken so you can address it. Here's just one thing, you know. We talk a lot about around here about the fruits of the spirit and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? I love the patience word. But here's just what I want you to know on this one. God's going to move in the timing that he's going to move. But if you have the ability, don't wait. You don't know who or what is missing out. You don't know what needs to happen in the interim or what will happen if you don't act on your broken heart. Someone, something could not be done. You don't know who or what is missing out. And you know what you're going to do? 
when you act on your broken heart, whether you start an organization or have a conversation or maybe it's something big or small or whatever it is for you, right? You know what you're going to start to do? You're going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave a legacy right where you're at. And that's what you want because you know something? When you start an organization and people benefit from it or someone eats because of it or drinks clean water because of it or you help someone find a home because of it, do you know what happens? A legacy is built and maybe someone lives. Maybe someone gets back on their feet. Maybe someone becomes a follower of Jesus and history is changed because God used your broken heart. So I'm going to get personal for a second because I think it's just important for every one of us to get personal. For years, my heart was broken over something, absolutely destroyed. My heart was broken over the fact that I thought the local church was broken. I felt like the local church was not a place where people could come and actually be accepted and learn at their own pace and grow at their own place, pace right where they were at. God probably broke my heart for this about 10 years ago. And I knew that somewhere along the way that he was going to use my broken heart, as much as I attempted to shut it down, as much as I attempted to just drown it out, that he was going to use that with some others somewhere along the way to begin to plant something that would be different in a community that so desperately needed church, right? I got to tell you, gang, if there's any county in America that needs the local church, it is Broward County. Heck, within the course of three weeks, somebody sent a bunch of packages all over this country and we're the only county in America that can't count votes right here. I, and I'm not getting political. I'm just saying, you look around, people call me, you live in Broward County? Yeah, leave me alone. Okay, so it's right here. We're in Broward. This is it. And so years ago, God just said to myself, I'm going to move you south to South Florida. And I know you don't know what that's like. I was a small town kid from Michigan. I had no idea what to do when I got here. In fact, some of my dearest friends have said to me, pulled me aside, I can't believe you made it here. And I was like, I tried, okay? But here's the truth. Let me put up this picture. There were a number of us whose hearts started to be broken in the same way. And we gathered the troops and just over three years ago, we started Downtown Harbor Church right here in this museum. And I got to tell you something, guys. You look around this room, right, and you would, hear, you would be here the first couple of weeks, and there was nobody here. And we were risky for doing what we're doing. But I will stand up here every single week and tell you that lives were changed because of what has happened here. People have come to know Jesus because God first broke some of our hearts to do something different. Lives are changed. Their families are changed. Their community has changed because of what he did because we finally responded and I tried to shut it out for a long time And there were people who tried to get in our way and said you will fail. You'll never win You can't do this or be a part of this And then i'll just get real personal God broke my heart again Because I was one of the first people to actually have this vision God gave it to us to Start this church and then I just felt him saying to me Probably about a year ago, Adam, I used you in a way, but you're not going to be the one to take this forward. You're going to be a part of it, but it's time for you to hand the baton off to somebody else. And I was so mad, right? It's like Moses not making his way into the promised land when he <laughs> saw it and he let him, right? It's what he, but I was like, no, it's time. And John's killing it and doing a phenomenal job. Broke my heart again that it was time to make a shift, time to make a change. That's what's going to keep this thing 
functioning long term. That is why people in this room who are sitting there, sitting here today actually used their broken heart. They looked right in the mirror and they looked at themselves and they said, if I don't do something about this, who is going to? Because the local church in our community is shutting people out. This sign that says you are welcome here bogus. I've experienced it until you walk in and don't agree or can't fit in. Then the stiff arm comes up. Not here, not at downtown Harbor Church. We've made it a place where people, wherever you are, whatever your history, whatever your journey, you have a place to belong and fit and serve and be a part of this group of unique people. Who are you? What breaks your heart? Because I will just tell you this, it's going to continue to be broken until you address it. God's going to continue to break you over and over again until you address it. So here's just a couple of questions, right? If not now, if you're not going to do something about it now, and now's not the right time, when? I love, we were going over the message this week. And I was going over the message with John, and we were looking at this slide, and he's like, hey, this would be a really cool thing. He's like, and I had this on one slide, and I took it off and put it on this big one. He's like, what are you putting it that big for? Are you screaming at people? And I was like, yeah, right? If not now, when? Okay? When? If you're not going to do this now, when are you going to do it? Right? Why are you waiting? If not now, when? Here's another thing. A lot of you, when you have your broken heart and you start to address it, much like Nehemiah could have, do you want to know what he could have said to God? God, pick somebody else, right? I am busy. I have a family. I have a job. I have things to do. If not now, when? If not you, who? Who? And if not, if you come to the conclusion that the answer is no, here's the other question. Why? Why not? You got one life and a God that's inspired your heart. If it's not going to be you, why not? Why put that conviction? Why put that job on someone else? You have your history. You have your life experience. You have your tragedy and triumph all woven into a divine creation so that you can go change the world. And a lot of us, you know what we do? A lot of us look at ourselves and we go, because we use media and TV and the internet and all these people who are famous as our example. And we, you know, we kind of sit back and we go, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to go address that. I'll never be as big as them. I'll never do that. Nowhere in the Bible, the ancient scripture, can I read or find that you, based on your broken heart, are called to change the world. And to go out and to turn this, your broken heart, into massive, massive, media-driven, anything that you want to based on your broken heart. I, I can't read that anywhere. But I can read the words of Jesus, and he just says, allow your broken heart to just function right where you're at and then figure out how to love your neighbor as yourself. May it lead to that, changing something, changing someone right where they are. You've not been called to change the world. You've been called to change something. What's that something for you? What's your broken heart? Because it's going to continue to be broken over and over and over and over again until you do something about it. And we could do this message in a year. And if you don't act, it's still going to be broken. And if you fail, 
and don't want to pick yourself back up, it's still going to be broken. It's because of God and his divine intervention in your life, much like it was Nehemiah. And he looked at something that seemed impossible, and he did it. You might be looking inside your own heart, and you go, that seems impossible. Adam, I can't ever do that. God is the God of making the impossible possible. You just got to trust him enough to get it done. Let him use you. Let him take your broken heart and change this world. Who are you? Who are you? And what breaks your heart? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. I just am so grateful for the people who are in this room and they might address what's going on in their life. God, we love you and we thank you. And God, just I just pray for anybody here who might look deep down inside of themselves and go, I've, I've been dealing with this for a long time and I know I need to do it. I know I need to make it right with somebody. I know that I need to start something. I know I need to go out and help because you've called us to Jesus right where you're at. God, today I pray that you would infect the hearts of the people in this room with your presence and your grace so that they would address their broken hearts. They would do something about what they are supposed to do right where they're at. Jesus, move through our lives and through this space today. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you in Jesus' name.
Who are you? What breaks your heart? Who are you? I feel like that caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland with a little less influence, if you know what I mean, this morning. Okay, who are you and what breaks your heart? It's time to figure that out. It's time to go forward. It's time to address it. It's time to allow God to work in your life. Let me talk about next week. Next week in this series, we're actually going to take a little break. We're going to pick up this series in a couple of weeks, but next week we're taking a break so we can focus on Thanksgiving. Oh, the holidays are coming. Have you seen it? My Christmas decor has been up for like a month, so I'm really excited. Yours may not have been, but mine has been. And Thanksgiving is coming up, so we're going to take a second and talk about, this is really important, forgiveness related to Thanksgiving, because you're going to actually probably encounter some folks in the next week or two weeks, and you're like, man, these are my family. They're around, and I might have some issues lingering out there. How do I deal with with that right where I'm at. So next week, John's going to be back up here. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. We will rack up, wrap up what seems impossible in two weeks. We're on for both of those Sundays, 9 and 1030 here at Downtown Harbor Church. If you're a volunteer for our next service, I'll see you downstairs at our huddle in just about two minutes. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, everybody. Bye-bye.